and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about philosophy, ancient literature, and whatever we've been reading recently. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. A.J. Hannenberg. That's me. And Mr. Graham Donaldson. Hi. And today I have no witty retort because I'm doing the intro. So, A.J., you are leading our discussion today. What do you, what do you got for us? We are doing the last part of Rousseau's The Social Contract. And yeah, and then we'll be done and we'll do something else. And you feel great about that. I, I, I am glad to have read it. Are I you? was not glad while reading it. Okay. What about <laughs> it's, it? It's not one of those ones that brings me a profusion of joy as I read. You seem to enjoy the ideas in it. Is it just a slog, the language a slog? What do you not like about it? I, it's, it's, I feel like, can we do that late, like sure. after? Great. At the end? Because uh, then we can evaluate whether or not you, you as an audience should go read it. The, okay, I feel like you've given us the answer. The answer is maybe. <laughs> okay, great. Let's, let's go for it. So today we are, uh, so I was reading the final part, and I think maybe last episode I said we'd get back to what the best kind of government was. Uh-huh. Forget all that. Okay. We're not doing that today. What we are doing is talking about what kind of came as a surprise at the end of the end of this book, which I was kind of expecting he would give really concrete, this is how you should put together a society. And there's some of that. He talks about what a dictator should look like, and that's when things are so bad that the government at large does not have time to make a decent decision. We can't vote. We can't get together. And that's when you need a dictator, and his job is to make decisions quickly and do whatever he has to do really fast. Uh, And then as soon as that danger is over, one of two things is going to happen. Either he'll give his power back up or he'll become a tyrant. One of the two. And usually they give it, give it up. That's how it was in Rome. Like you were a dictator for a set length of time and then you had to give that power back. And he said that was great. It works in times of emergency. He also said the more serious the thing you're voting on, the more of a majority it needs. So if it's like not kind of not a big deal, then a simple majority is fine. But if it's you know, a, a big matter to the state, then you should have near unanimity. unanimity. And so he, he gives a few of these things and then he goes on a huge long diatribe about what ancient Rome looked like. And I don't feel that uh, you as an audience would necessarily find that interesting. What I did find interesting was his thoughts on religion. Okay. So we have talked in the past, and if you're new to us, I'm sorry, we've talked in the past how we are, we're not a Christian podcast, but we are Christians that make a podcast, right? Would you agree with that? Sure. We talk about the ancient world. Sometimes our subjects are not overtly Christian. Um, We don't talk about strictly and always only Christian things, Mm. right? Would you agree? Yes. Like by definition. Yeah. Everything's Christian things. I know. And that's Ah. the thing is that because we are Christians, that sort of leaks into all of our discussions, Ah, right? We always sort of bring that up at some point and we don't, you know, we make no bids at partiality really, I guess. Um, even if you are saying that I'm presenting this impartially, you are taking some sort of philosophical stance, right? That it should be given impartially. So we, we try not to shy away from that. Um, and so this is going to be an interesting podcast for our Christian listeners. And I'm hoping also for our non-Christian listeners, because it's about why Christianity sucks in the state, why it's bad Mm. for the country. Specifically when church and state are together? Is that what he's getting at? Or just the church in general? You'll find out. So I'm going to go through it. We'll talk about sort of the history of religions and the state, and then the different kinds of religions in the state, and then what it would look like to have a Christian-only state, like a perfect Christian state, and how that would go, and should your citizens be religious? So those are sort of the different headings we're going to go under. So the history of religion in the state, and then 
different kinds of religions in the state, what the perfect Christian state would look like, and should your citizens be religious. Okay. That's kind of a preview of our episode today. So he says, in the old days, boys, early days of states, there was, like, God was the king. That's how it worked. Your God was in charge. The things that you did for your religion, it was the same as doing things for the state, right? There was no real difference. If I did something for the state, I was serving my God. If I did something for my God, I was often serving the state. Um, there were no such thing things as religious wars because every war was religious, mm. right? There was no differentiation between a political war and a religious war. They were always mixed and it was always the same. Wait, starting when? I think he's talking like BC, way, way, way old days. Does he have like So examples? the time of, of walls for countries. And I'm, I'm expecting you guys to get fully cranky about most of this. Already and I'm, cranky. I'm okay. into it. <laughs> no. So if you want to get cranky, That's like... Quick. Open crank, those floodgates and crank, crank it up. up. Great. Okay. But I'm right. just I'm just trying to get my bearings. So, um, like, is he talking about like ancient Mesopotamia? Yeah, we're talking like ancient Mesopotamia and all societies have peoples and some form of religion, and that religion's been tied to the state. Therefore, all state action of war is religious. Yes. That's, yeah. That's kind of what he says. Mm-hmm. And there's no way like <sighs> the conquered were forced to adopt the gods of their conquerors. And it was necessary to conquer to get that to happen, sure. right? So there's no way of converting a people except by enslaving it. And okay. there's no missionaries except for conquerors, right? If you want someone to convert to your religion, you beat them at war. And then they are like, okay, your gods are better. We'll switch to your gods. Awesome. But even in the Bible, you've got conversion from Judaism to like adopting Asherah poles and being like, yeah, we kind of like these Canaanite gods and slowly absorbing it into their culture. I didn't say he supported it well, Graham. <laughs> oh, okay, I just yeah. said this is what this he is said. This is his argument. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please let him make his blind assertions on his own. Yes. He does say that, he does mention that the Jewish people kind of refuse to capitulate. They refuse to take on the gods of their captors. And so that's why they are persecuted is because oh. they won't accept the gods of the people that have taken over their country, right? So they have to be enslaved and they have to be punished and that's the problem. Okay, and then come the Romans who leave the gods rather than obliterating them, right? So they would come to a country, they would say, hey, gods of this country, please leave your people so we can conquer them. And they would conquer them and be like, look, you guys want to still worship your gods? Fine, (laughs) rock and roll. We'll leave a wreath to to Jupiter here and you guys can chill out, but uh, that's fine. Worship your gods, we'll worship ours. And then there's, you know, no biggie. And that pay kind your of, taxes, yeah, pay, right. pay your taxes and don't ever rebel, and that's right. and everyone's happy. Um, and then the Romans also sort of ended up adopting these gods, which meant a multitude of gods, right? And so in this climate is where Jesus came. Okay, I'm going to read some quotes because they're he's he gets fiery in these sections, so I'm going to read some quotes. Don't worry, they're pretty fun, and none of them are too long, but I will read them. So this is the stuff about Jesus. What the pagans had feared took place. Then everything changed its aspect. The humble Christians changed their language, and soon this so-called kingdom from another world turned, under a visible leader, into the most violent of earthly despotisms. However, as there have always been a prince and civil laws, this double power and conflict of jurisdiction have made all good polity impossible in Christian states, and men have never succeeded in finding out whether they were bound to obey the master or the priest." So he says, that's, that's bad, right? Mm-hmm. So Christianity came to power and because of the that... The two-sword doctrine. What, the like what? The sword of the state and the sword of heaven, like the two... Exactly. Yeah. Then every citizen doesn't know which he's supposed to obey, right? Which is different than having my king and my God be essentially the same thing. And if I'm obeying my God, I'm 
obeying my king and or vice having versa. ancient Rome where it's like like the choose your fighter on the Smash Bros screen. There's like a thousand of them. And you don't know who to pick. Yeah, kind of. And, it, and it, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, which it really doesn't matter which you pick because all you do is spam that down B. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> down B is that's that's the ticket. And so he says this kind of happens everywhere. Wherever the clergy is corporate body, it is master and legislator in its own country. There are thus two powers, two sovereigns in England and in Russia, as well as elsewhere. And a great quote. The law of Christianity at bottom does more harm by weakening than good by strengthening the constitution of the state. Hmm. Okay. How are you guys feeling so far? So he sees he sees a he sees Christianity in a state as kind of like a it, subversive force, a force that weakens the social ties, a force that weakens the the sort of social fabric. Yeah, because I I always have a choice yeah. whether to follow what the the king is saying, the sovereign, yeah. the prince, or to follow my own internal conscience and the dictates of the state. I think in this case, he's thinking of uh, organized religion. Now, this is Gibbon's argument in Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, whatever it's called, right? Is it? so? Because so he you... says that like part of the downfall of Rome was this introduction of Christianity that kind of split the vitality of the Roman people, is that you've introduced this thing that people get all geeked up about, and instead of shoring up the Roman Imperium, they're like, uh, we're going to go do a monastery. And then all those, like, able-bodied, really, you know, um, maybe capable citizens are spending all of their time and light doing this Christian stuff when they could have been helping out Rome. And so Rome falls apart due to lack of... of conviction. Uh, of conviction and lack of, like, do-doers, people who have, like, this chutzpah to go and do stuff. So you agree with him so far? I mean... You think Christianity is bad for the state? No, I, I mean... In the sense that it weakens for the state. For state qua state, maybe. Exactly. That it what do you mean state qua state? Split the loyalty of the, of the people between the state and the religion. That's what. That's the example you're giving. That yeah. You, you, one person only has so much energy. Do you devote 100% to the state, or do you split that with religion? And that undermines the state by definition. Yeah, and it, I guess the argument is like... Um, well, that, yeah, I think even Augustine agrees with him that like there are two that there are two cities, the city of God and the city of man, and the righteous you know belong to the city of God, even though you're living in the city of man. And so, um, I I don't think he's wrong, but then the question is, can there be can there be a marriage of Christianity and statehood, which will be an interesting thing. Statity. I think mm-hmm. I think I can already <laughs> see where he's going. He's going to say no. Well, maybe he's going to say yes. I don't know. That's interesting. Okay, so so far, I was, I'm surprised you guys are on board so far. Why? That doesn't, just the way you've set it up, it seems that he, that he must be right, that you split your loyalty if you have two things to be loyal to. I guess my thought would be that it's short-sighted, right? He is not talking about the, the justice of the state. He's not talking about the moral fabric of the state. He's not talking about what keeps a community together. He's not talking about, you know, uh, there were, there were things that Christians did in Rome that nobody else was doing, like taking care of abandoned children Mm -hmm. and taking care of women and all all great. But the, uh, I don't know if he'll get there, but don't you think that like the truly authentic Christian state would immediately be captured by a foreign invading army? Cause they're probably all pacifists. Oh man, we are, you're jumping ahead. I know, uh, but, but that's what I, I, that doesn't bother me if that's the conclusion. Anyway, I'll be curious how he gets there, but that wouldn't bother me if that were his conclusion. Okay, man, this is going differently than I thought. Sorry. If you guys just agree the whole time, this is not going to go. As how I can planned. it be otherwise, AJ? <laughs> AJ, your thoughts are dumb. 
Okay. <laughs> oh, Graham, you're just showing up for me today. Thank you so much. Is that helpful? Have my back. I love it. Uh, although I'm presenting his thoughts, oh, so that stings probably. a little Thank bit. Thank you. But, yeah. Okay. So the three types of religion. So that was heading one, kind of the history, how we got here, right? So state and God are one, and then we have Rome where everything kind of goes haywire, and then Jesus shows up and splits the state, and that's a bummer. So three types of religion, he says. Well, he actually says there are two types, and then later he adds a third. Mm. So I'm just going to say there are three types now instead of pulling that bait and switch on you. So three types of religion, he says. There's that of a man, and I will quote his description. The first, which has neither temples, nor altars, nor rites, and is confined to the purely internal cult of the supreme God and the eternal obligations of morality, is the religion of the gospel pure and simple, the true theism, which may be called natural divine right or law. Okay? Okay. So that's the one kind. Why furrowed brows? I just don't understand it. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I do either. Okay. Okay, that of a citizen... So, codified in a single country, gives it its gods, its own tutelary patrons, it has its dogmas, its rights, and its external cult prescribed by law. Outside the single nation that follows it, all the world is in its sight infidel, foreign and barbarous. The duties and rights of a man extend for it only as far as its own altars. So, all early people were this way, right? So, you have like a state religion that is codified in that one country, right? And you've got state-sanctioned rituals, you've got state-sanctioned altars and temples, and it's all sort of under the state, and that's, like, part of that nation, mm-hmm. and that's that's it. Um, as opposed to that of the internal man. So there's the citizen religion and that of man. You guys with me so far? Mm-hmm. Can you think of any examples of, like, a state religion that way now? I mean, you probably have some kind of mixing of, like... Uh, the Ayatollahs in Iran, where you have uh, 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 the mixing of, of like Islam and, and, the, and the running of the country. Yeah. Would probably be the one that I could think of. That's kind of what I was thinking of. It, it does have to be explicitly religious. So something like patriotism or nationalism doesn't fall under this. Mm-mm. Okay, that's a separate thing. Yeah, this is strictly religious. Okay. Okay. And then the third sword, which gives men two codes of legislation, two rulers and two countries renders them subject to contradictory duties and makes it impossible for them to be faithful both to religion and citizenship. Such are the religions of the Lamas and of the Japanese, and such is Roman Christianity, which may be called the religion of the priest. It leads to a sort of fixed and antisocial code, which has no name. Interesting. So the obligations of the state are in conflict with the religious obligations. Yeah. Again, this would be the soldier who is... Uh, pacifist for religious reasons. Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yep. You know, standing up to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, whoever it was. Or, I mean, even if we're talking U.S., people who stood against Roe v. Wade. Right? And did it for religious reasons. So a conviction that's in contradiction to any any The state had said one thing, and the religion said a different thing. Right? So what would um, Rousseau think about our freedom of religion in in the state. I guess you're going to get to well, that. Well, we're going to get there. That's okay. kind of near the end. Um, but yeah, and he, so yeah, so that he says that there's sort of these two streams running through a citizen. You've got the you've got these sort of two loyalties, two convictions, and who's going to win when they come into conflict? Right. Yeah. And he says the religious one, presumably. Okay. So know, there's tons of apostates out there. Yeah. He's sure. going to highlight the the problems with each of these three. Okay. Okay. So all three have their defects, but the third is so clearly bad 
that it is a waste of time to stop to prove it such. All that destroys social unity is worthless. So okay. that Dang. third one, we're not even going to waste time on. You've you got split unity, and that sucks, and it's bad. It's not no good. Okay. The second is good in that it unites the divine cult with love of the laws, and making country the object of the citizens' adoration teaches them that service done to the state is service done to its tutelary god. There can be no pontiff, save the prince, and no priests, save the magistrates. To die for one's country then becomes martyrdom, violation of its laws, impiety, and to subject, or violation of its laws, impiety, and to subject one who is guilty to public execration is to condemn him to the anger of the gods. So he's super cool with like the mixing of fascism and cults into a state. Yes, he does have a, a <laughs> negative though. So oh, he says, oh, okay. well then. <laughs> it is bad in that being founded on lies and oh, error, okay. it deceives men, making them credulous and superstitious and drowns the true cult of the divinity in empty ceremonial. Great. It is bad again when it becomes tyrannous and exclusive and makes the people bloodthirsty and intolerant so that it breathes fire and slaughter and regards, regards as a sacred act the killing of everyone who does not believe in its gods. The result is to place such a people in a natural state of war with all others so that its security is deeply endangered. It's like the pharaohs of Egypt. Yeah, you are you are so on fire for your religion, and since you see everyone else as infidel, you must be at war with them always, yeah. and so you're always at risk, Okay, right? Which kind of makes sense. I mean, if we're talking some of the folks in the Middle East that have, you know, uh, religion, religion and state kind of mixed. Or the they, pharaohs of Egypt. Right? Or the pharaohs right. of Egypt, right? So there, there are examples of this all throughout history of, of a country that says my religion is the right one, everyone else is wrong, and then wages war on other, other countries to their detriment. And this is different from what you were talking about before of Rousseau's view of like a prehistory of the union of church and state, or is this basically the same it thing? It seems like the same thing. Yeah, okay. I, think he's, I think this is just a further description of why that's good and okay. bad. Got it. Okay. And then, so we've talked about the third one, which is the split. We've talked about the second one, which is God and state together. And so now we have to talk about the true, yeah. the true Christianity, as he calls it. There remains, therefore, the religion of man or Christianity, not the Christianity of today, but that of the gospel, which is entirely different. By means of the, <laughs> I hate so much that when is he writing? Uh, let me see. That sentence could come straight out of anything from today. That's sixteen eighty. That's so good. Sorry, no, when's that's so he good. You don't have to Let's look it up. It's six hundred years up. old, and like we still talk about these things the same way. Uh, I hate reading uh, old books. Let's see. Published in 1762. Uh, it's the worst. Off 100 years. Wait, so you don't like this? It's just funny that whatever we, like this thing 400 years ago is still saying, no, no, not this modern day Christianity when it was good back then. Like the same <laughs> way that we do now. Yeah, just anyway, it's just very funny when, when you read someone hundreds of years ago say something that is still true today, though we act like it's a new idea to have now of. No, no, our Christianity is bad. The old one was good. It's just funny. Yeah, still doing sort of the same thing. Yes. Okay, I'm not done. This quote goes on. Yeah, But that of the gospel, which is entirely different, by means of this holy, sublime, and real religion, all men, being children of one God, recognize one another as brothers. And then the society that unites them is not dissolved even at death. But this religion, having no particular relation to the body politic, leaves the laws in possession of the force they have in themselves without making any addition to it. And thus, one of the great bonds that unite society, considered inseverably, fails to operate. Nay more, so far from binding the hearts of the citizens to the state, 
It has the effect of taking them away from all earthly things. I know of nothing more contrary to the social spirit. So I'm getting real mixed yeah, yeah. signals from this guy. Like he seems to think that that some uh, of it's good. He seems to be saying that this is the real real thing, right? right? And it a doesn't belief in the brotherhood of man. He's like, but screw that. That ruins <laughs> states. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like I can't nail down if he is actually is he being but, as I would call it a Christian. Like oh. it seems like he is believing in like a an ethereal divinity of nature. Sure. Like a nature cult, but I can't really nail it down. Oh, he's definitely believing in like he he probably yeah I think it's definitely he's definitely thinking that there is a a pre-Christian religious thing that is true but all the people who've like codified it into things are wrong and like all we, these rituals are bogus it, yes. it really yes all these rituals are bogus but, but at it's, its like core. this it's at its core it is this you know the brotherhood of humanity if we right. could only get to that then well I would assume he said then things would be right but he says and if we did that well then people wouldn't care about their states and so. Um, but that's why he's ambivalent of both. It's probably it's he thinks it's true that there is this brotherhood of man, but also you're not going to grow your kingdom if that's your view toward right your neighboring countries, right? Very seen that Simpsons episode where the lawyer is like, "Can you imagine a world without lawyers?" And then he imagine he sees in his mind like all of humanity joining hands in a circle, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good." Yeah. So I can't quite nail down what he actually believes, but. Could there be any sarcasm? Could there be any... Playful tongue-in-cheek? Yeah, anything like that, do you think? I don't... In this case, I don't think so. It seems like he's saying that it's good, but Mm. I think he believes that that is the right religion, but that it's actually bad for the state. So Mm. I don't know what... I see what you're saying. Sure. But I don't know what his prescription is going to be. So... All right, part three. Would the society of true and only Christians be the most perfect society imaginable? Where do you guys land on this? What does perfect mean? T- Thomas Merton has this great section in the Seven Story Mountain where he talks about how some people in monasteries are just crabby and that they're still crabby after 30 years in a monastery. And those are like among, you know, those are probably pretty holy people in there. So uh, Rousseau has to say no to this, right? If he's just set up this kind of ambivalence, he must not want the whatever pure Christian society is. And again, I think it's because it would undermine whatever collective state they've all gathered into. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sort of. So he starts off by saying, first of all, if it's everybody perfect, it wouldn't be a society of men. And its <laughs> be- perfection would be the thing that robs its it of its bond of union and the flaw that would destroy it is, a, is actually its perfection itself. Sure. So he goes on to say, Christianity as a religion is so entirely spiritual, occupied solely with heavenly things. The country of the Christian is not of this world. He does his duty indeed, but does it with profound indifference to the good or ill success of his cares. Provided he has nothing to reproach himself with, it matters little to him whether things go well or ill here on earth. If the state is prosperous, he hardly dares to share in the public happiness, for fear he may grow proud of his country's glory. If the state is languishing, he blesses the hand of God that is hard upon his people. So because we're looking so much to the next world. Mm-hmm. We don't give really two rips about what's happening here. If I'm suffering, well, I've been called to endure suffering. If I'm in prosperity, well, I've been charged with giving away to charity. So I am not really connected with the welfare of my state in so much as it doesn't, like, affect my worship. I uh, Obviously, I disagree with this. I think, I don't know, it, 
I would rather hear his argument before pushing back on anything. I think that he is pulling on a strand of Christianity that would probably lead toward the monastic order of things, but think also that there are Christian statesmen as well who would want to see the state oriented toward good and to do good for those around them. So he might be describing a Christian position, but it's not like there's only one position of how Christians should interact with the state. Is that a fine... I'll just leave that there and we can come back to it later. But I I just don't think he's describing the one true view of how Christians would act in the state. Yeah. All right. Well, he's got more to say. He said, if there was one guy in there that wasn't perfectly Christian, he would almost instantly get the better of all his brothers, right? Because he was willing to do the stuff that they're not. And he would get power and get power quick. And as soon as the power is there, well, God has told us to obey the power, right? Right. And if it's abused, well, it is the scourge by which God punishes his children. And he is teaching us long-suffering, and he's causing us to suffer for the good of our own souls. So this is sarcasm. Or he's... he's oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he's yeah. tongue-in-cheek here for sure. He's saying, like, there's no way that Christians would rise up against this one evil guy in a perfectly Christian society because he would easily get the better of them. And then they would just stay under his thumb. What about battle? They wouldn't do it. Uh, the citizens march readily out to battle. None of them thinks of flight. They do their duty, but they have no passion for victory. They know better how to die than how to conquer. What does it matter whether they win or lose? Does not Providence know better than they what is good for them? Um, so they go out, but they've, they're just like, yeah, I guess I'll fight. I guess I'll fight because I have to, but... There's but... even a section where he says, can you imagine a an entire army of Christians set up against somebody like the Romans or the Gauls or someone that had a real passion for victory. They just get stomped, right? The outcome's already been determined that there's nothing they can do to change that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And these next few quotes I I really love, and then we can kind of talk about it. But I am mistaken in speaking of a Christian republic. The terms are mutually exclusive. Christianity preaches only servitude and dependence. Its spirit is so favorable to tyranny that it always profits by such a regime. Hmm. True Christians, and this is your quotable quotable, true Christians are made to be slaves, Hmm. and they know it and do not much mind. This short life counts for too little in their eyes. And then he goes on. I shall be told Christian troops are excellent. I deny it. (laughs) Show me an instance. For my part, I know of no Christian troops. I shall be told of the Crusades. Without disputing the valor of the Crusaders, I answer that so far from being Christians, they were the priests' soldiery, citizens of the church. They fought for the spiritual country, which the church had somehow or other made temporal. Under pagan emperors, the Christian soldiers were brave. As soon as the emperors were Christian, they're not brave anymore. Is that... uh, I don't know if that's true, but does he give example or... No, no, he just says it. Sort of. Okay. So that's, yeah, it's just a blind, assertion. just sort of a blind assertion. All right. So what do you think about all that? I mean, so it's playful. It's, it's, it's mean spirited. Um, but he's, he's, uh, he's harping on a point, which is almost like the sort of continuing the Machiavelli notion of the body politic, which is there, you need to have a bit of ruthlessness when you're going to have competing powers in the world in order to carve out a place for your people, for your state. And true Christianity is not a place of ruthlessness. 
and they're going to be a bunch of pushovers, and you don't want those guys running things. Is that... Yeah, yeah I think Machiavelli would agree with a lot of what he says. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and insofar as you have a contingent of true believers in your state, they are going to either be a drain or they are going to, like, opt out and go, like, Benedict Option in the mountains or whatever. Yeah. Um, go to live in Pennsylvania. Or they're going to eventually get watered down by some kind of God in country, what he calls, like, the church state. That second category. That's the second, second category. category. It's going to morph, is, it's gonna morph yeah. into some sort of second Where category. I believe in America because America is, is God's God. country. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and he rightly points that points out that that is a route towards like eternal war and ruthlessness. Um, Are you on board with this argument? No, I, I mean, there's got to be. I mean, um, can you have a state where you have, well, it's sort of that American question, a state where you have a freedom of conscience and freedom of religion, the things that bind you together can exist without, with sort of those competing, those competing notions. And I, I feel like, why not? I mean, America has existed for, you know, hundreds of years, 200, 200 what's the anniversary? 276. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's uh, so at least there's, you know, there's, we have this running long case study. Um, what do you, so what do you think Rousseau would think about the Constitution? I mean, it's getting close. When, when was this book written? 17? And you just look it up, early 1700s. Yeah, early 1700s. So we're, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, 80 years away from the Constitution or whatever. Um, so like, and a lot of it was inspired by, by Rousseau's, um, some of his writings. So it's just like, what, what do you think he would think of the attempt of saying that we're going to have a state that has this freedom of religion. It seems like maybe the rights what, of man. what they have done is sort of take, take Rousseau's categories mm-hmm. and create a fourth mm. spot because it's not a full state religion. Mm-hmm. It's not just the, re- I mean, I guess maybe it's just the religion of internal man, right? Maybe that's the, that's the risk they're taking is that they've, they've sort of pulled out the fangs by saying there's not one central church that also gets a spot here, mm-hmm. right? It's not like we have the American government and then the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of places have just sort of, they have the church and they have the state they have and some, there's whatever religion is, but it's one church, right? Mm-hmm. And so it has almost as much power. And here that's not as true anymore. Like it's just not. And so they've sort of pulled out the teeth of that particular problem where there isn't too full categories that he, every citizen has to obey but you still have the problem of well then it's back we're almost like we're rome again you yes, got the state so and then you've options. got all these different gods exactly and so to speak and but i i still do have that sort of split split loyalty what does he say about it um but you'll always have a split of loyalty if there is any kind of religion yeah so it's so far from binding the hearts of the citizens to the state it has the effect of taking them away from all earthly things i know of nothing more contrary to the social spirit so that's probably i mean it seems like we're we're having to choose and this is the least of all evils but right shoot you're going to have split loyalties and you can even take religion out of it like family loyalties right. over the state regional loyalties over over bigger district loyalties um you know, you're, you're, there's always going to be um, 
circles of life that are in conflict, or what he would say are in conflict with one another. He wants to be like a state maximalist, which is the only way that this thing runs is that everybody, everybody is under, you know, uh, is under the one state and is, and is completely subservient to the state. That's the only way that this thing is going to run the most efficient. And that is freaky. But he doesn't even say that that's the good one because then you have consistent war and like danger from the outside. And he said it's an error. Like it's not a good religion. Which of these three did he say was good? Or are one is he like? They all have positives and negatives. Okay. Is what he said. It, it seemed like he wasn't giving a prescription for one over the others. And that's why it feels like what the Constitution of America has chosen is sort of a like, well, let's sort of defang the religion so we don't have completely split loyalties, but it's better than always being at war and having all of, like, having to give up our power to a deity. So, and and what the Constitution came by, a lot of folks were deists, right? Or sure. people who didn't necessarily believe in the hand of God in the world. And so having having that kind of out of the mix is a good thing. Or thought that we were trucking towards his first option, which is a primitive religion that is the unity of all mankind. Yeah. So then oftentimes the deist position is like, okay, well, okay, these guys, your Jew is, Jews over here and your Christians over here and your, uh, you know, other religions over here. But really back, you know, the, behind everything, we're all in the this same boat. Religion. We're all worshiping the one thing. It's different roads to the top of the mountain. So maybe there's also that in the idea of, and that's what, so that first category so I'm just wondering, maybe, an, uh, maybe a deist reads Rousseau and was like, oh, this is, this is the way to do it, is we, we can believe in this sort of like brotherhood of man and the freedom of religion. But that's the one he says was anti, antisocial, like it erodes the fabric of society. Yeah, but maybe, but on the other side, he's, that's Rousseau's conclusion, but I think someone else could conclude, if you let the freedom of religion exist, eventually we'll all figure out that we're all just doing the same thing anyway. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, there's a positive belief that this is going to sort of work itself out into one unified, well, Unitarians, right? I also think any, any astute reader is going to recognize that Rousseau is moving the goalposts. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. moving. It feels he says, like it. he says there are no Christian troops and people go the crusades. And he's like, those aren't real Christians. Oh, it's, right. he's, it's called no, uh, true, no true Scotsman, right? Mm-hmm. He's pulling that in spades. We, Last episode talked about Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. What else would you call? Oh, she wasn't her? a real Christian. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would, I would argue that many of the people who fought in most of the wars in England during that period mm-hmm. were Christians. Sure. Right? What else could you call them? They weren't real Christians, AJ. <laughs> and that's the thing: is it seems like a no true Scotsman argument. And so, mm-hmm. anyone that's putting together a constitution and hears this nonsense about like Christians not being good warriors would just be like, that's hogwash. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that a good chunk of our current military is Christian. I've known a lot of Christians who are in the military or post-military or wanting to go into the military and they're great warriors as far as, far as I've known. Not real Christians. Though. Oh, they're not real. Oh, see, okay. I, hadn't, I hadn't considered that. Thanks. Rousseau um, says it. So yeah, that's, that's sort of my position yeah. is that that one feels like a no true Scotsman. And again, also, this comes down to like with Rousseau, I can never tell when he's being playful, right. when he's being tongue in cheek and when he's like actually being pr- descriptive of what he thinks. And when has there been a state when there's, when every citizen has only one loyalty and follows only that one loyalty to your, to your point a little bit earlier, right? Like you have families, People, yeah, exactly. even, even within those states where the God was the King, it was like a God King. How often did, were there rebellions and how often were there people who 
didn't like the laws or didn't like their king or decided to move away yeah. or pulled something on the king or that wanted to assassinate him and get somebody else set up. Like, it's that, not like everyone was just mm-hmm. fully on board, 100% social ties are great. That, even that tension is in all the, like, old Greek tragedies, like with e- Oedipus, right? Like his family and his state and Thebes and, and you always, or the... Antigone the Antigone, one. the one yeah. where she's like, wants to go bury, go bury her brother. brother. That conflict and between family Conflict and between family and state. Like sure. that's as old as story, so. Yeah. And even related to our Nietzsche episode, two episodes ago, he's, pr- he's putting forth a problem saying, well, Christians can't serve in combat, ignoring 1,700 years of Christians serving in combat and probably having some way of defending or justifying that. Uh, so, uh, he's also kind of slipping in, he's sidestepping the entire debate by saying, no, no, I'm presenting the one true option without really backing up that one true option. Yeah. What a rascal. He has a rascal indeed. Yeah. He makes, it seems like he makes a lot of claims and doesn't spend enough time with them to actually flesh them out enough. Like this whole argument takes the space of on my Kindle, like 10 or 15 pages, right? That's, Which that sounds like a lot. You think that's not enough? It's like six maybe five or six normal pages. Okay. Right. It's just not a long time to make the claim that Christian, that religion is bad for the state, which actually is not his claim. So let me give the last little bit. Let me sort of talk about it. So should your citizens be religious? He says it matters very much to the community that each citizen should have a religion that will make him love his duty. But the dogmas of that religion concern the state and its members only so far as they have reference to morality and to the duties which hmm. he profess, he who professes them is bound to do to others. So the dogmas of that religion concern the state and its members only so far as they have reference to morality and basically what he does to other people. Oh, so there's the argument for for a plurality of religion in a state. It's like, as long as it makes you a good person. Right. Yeah, as long as it doesn't go against what we want you to do and doesn't make you hurt other people. Again, we're back to Rome. Yes. Yeah. So he says, the dogmas of civil religion ought to be few, simple, and exactly worded, without explanation or commentary. The existence of a mighty, intelligent, and beneficent divinity, possessed of foresight and providence, the life to come, the happiness of the just, the punishment of the wicked, the sanctity of the social contract, and the laws, these are its positive dogmas. And its negative dogma is intolerance. So it's impossible to live with those we regard as damned. To love them would be to hate God who punishes them. We positively must either reclaim or torment them. So tolerance should be given to all religions that tolerate others, so long as their dogmas contain nothing contrary to the duties of citizenship. But whoever dares to say ours um, outside the church is no salvation ought to be driven from the state. Gotcha. So he doesn't want, like, profligates. People trying to convert everybody yeah. or, or they're going to stir up trouble. Or anyone that says, like, ours is the one true way. So this, this flies directly against what Christians would say, right? Yeah hate the sin, love the sinner, I guess, but they say outside of, like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Outside of Jesus, there is no way to heaven. Rousseau would have a huge problem with this. Um, He says, we we cannot, it is impossible to live with those we regard as damned. To love them would be to hate the God who punishes them. We must reclaim them or torment them. That's his position. Obviously, I don't buy that, but... um... He's saying that because the laws of the state should match the laws. Like, it sounds like he's arguing for the unity of church and state, which um, 
is not necessarily like the Christian position, right? Yeah, I can't figure out if he's saying that there should be one central state or that we should just allow any religion that doesn't really fly in the face of the laws. And that any religion that we allow is like, okay, well, it's good to do what your law says and it's good to do all the things and not hate other people and you're good. So as long as it's sort of bland and accepting and likes the state, then it's something we should allow. uh, a A religion that plays ball. Yes. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of the, the system we've set up in the States. Yes. Right? Yeah. I have freedom, freedom of religion to a point, but if my religion says I get to kill anyone from Alabama, all of a sudden that's not okay anymore. Sure. Or if you are set up a wacky church in Waco, Texas, then you have the feds coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's his stance. It makes sense. I don't... I could see it leading more than to a civil religion of some kind as opposed... It kind of wants a type of moderation in its religion essentially it just wants people to act nice and follow the laws um but i don't know if rousseau is not concerned about that rousseau would prefer that in fact a religion that doesn't kind of stir up the waters so yeah coming from him it makes sense right yeah i'm just wondering how so application do any of these ideas have any bearing on how we act in the state. Cause r- right now, so what made this made me think of as I went through it was, was current Roe v. Wade, uh, politics back and forth. Right. So mo- much of the reading I've done on social media, mostly well, there's Reddit, your first problem. If I, well, mostly okay. Reddit is it's, <laughs> there's your second problem. So that's my second problem for <laughs> sure is just, it's hate being thrown at Christians for wanting to take away bodily autonomy of the rest of the populace. And so it seems like he was speaking directly to that where there are two different um, loyalties, right? Loyalty to a church versus loyalty to the populace at large. Um, and there, there is a split loyalty there, and it is creating quite a bit of division in the state. So as a state ruler, would I want to do away with this or would I want to support it? Like, say you guys get into a situation where you are in charge of a state where this is going on. Is this something you want to discourage, to encourage? Do you want Christians in your troops? Like you kind of were agreeing at the very beginning that Christians do split loyalty. Is this something that you would want to maintain? Should we be voting in people um, as sheriff, as as people in charge of, you know, cities and counties and senators? Should we be voting in Christians or not with their split loyalties? I mean, it has to do with where you place the end authority. It sounds like Rousseau is saying it is better to have the end authority be on the state than it is on some sort of appeal to the outside the state, whether that's a church or, or an objective idea about right and wrong and justice and that kind of thing, right? So I can't, for, based on what Russo has said, I can't imagine a situation where he would be cool with saying, oh crap, this state is so corrupt that it is the right thing to overthrow it, for example. Because it sounds like he is, again, sort of like this... Absolutist. Absolutist when it comes to the state. So... But again, it's it's. Well, he would say it feels it, like he's begged the question, or it feels like he's oversimplified so much that it's kind of hard to nail him down on, on that question. Well, as far as overthrowing a state, he usually just says he doesn't say that this is when you should overthrow. He'd be like, "This is what a sick state looks like," yeah. and that is close to its death, right? He'll just tell you kind of what's going on, not necessarily there a should or should not about it. And here he's just giving prescriptions for a good looking state, Mm -hmm. like one that is in health and one that is in health doesn't necessarily have Christian troops, apparently. Okay. 
Yeah. Earlier, you talked about Rousseau's view toward the role of religion in the state. And you, I think you said that part of it is raising up moral people. So he sees moral formation as a function of mm-hmm. religion. Mm-hmm. But then kind of, I think, to what you're trying to get at is that, well, that doesn't really answer the question, uh, maybe combining Graham and AJ's point. There will be some things that lots of religions agree on, uh, but there are lots of things that they won't. And Rousseau's kind of papered over all of that disagreement to say religion's kind of this one category that teaches us to be uh, truth-telling, moral people. And yet also seems to be mocking people who are true believers in being upstanding moral citizens. <laughs> so, such as the pacifist, yeah. you mean, or someone who would reject kind of earthly success. Like he's yes. kind of mocking them all throughout. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's, I, I think he has oversimplified uh, what religion is supposed to be doing for the populace and the complications that come from those disagreements. How then do we figure out all of our, he, he wants unanimity among the people. You've referenced that a few times. I, I don't think he's charted a, a direction that gets us to unanimity. It, it gets us to everyone in their own little camps with their shared views. If I'm understanding yeah. this correctly. Yeah. I don't know what the way out from that is. A fractured republic. Yeah. I don't know. It just started me thinking about how I vote and how much I want Christians in office and Christians in the populace and and how, how politically active Christians should be. Like... I mean, you don't want a theocracy. Like, we... Even in just... In, maybe we can save some of this for the, for the in-between. But... Um, he is right in saying that there is a divided loyalty when you have true believers in things that are beyond just the functioning of your, of your government. Um, but it seems like he is, uh, thinks that that is a troubling element to have in a state. And that is sort of troubling language because it's like, all right, well, if you put Rousseau in charge, like he's going to be doing these, like what's, what's the word? Like, like these like pogroms or like going through oh. and, uh, and like rooting out, rooting out people that he thinks are dissenters. And like, we've gone down that road in 20th century. That's not a good road to go down. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, I think to go back, you said it's, it's where you put the final, final authority to authority like is is the state there to serve the people and their religion or are the people in their religion there, there to serve the state yeah. um interesting um because it's this again the state is the thing that's like protecting its people i don't know there's i think much to be said for rousseau's position there right we need a state to function to protect its citizens right but if it's not protecting my freedom of worship is it doing its job. And if it's not forming me into a moral person, all it has done is sort of form me into a person that will not disobey the state. Then it is not making good civilized people. It is making, uh, it is making slaves. The very thing that he decries. But if it's keeping law, if it's, if it's holding up a playground of laws that are re- that are enforced, then it is holding up a place where people can live and do business and grow and be in safety and have property and that kind of thing. Sure. I, I'm also wondering if he is, I and think unless when, your religion is all property is mine, right? Like, right. Man, <laughs> why am I not a member of that religion? Right. That seems awesome. Um, well, you have to you have to give a d- lot of donations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, a it's a it's a big road. Yeah, yeah. got to become the top guy. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I was going to say that that statement where he says anything that destroys social unity is, what does he say? Is evil or bad or, um, yeah. And he says the people want to be, they're looking towards heavenly things. And I know n- of nothing more contrary to the social spirit. I think here is where he is. He is going wrong is that conflict mm-hmm. in a state is not necessarily a ne- negative. Be, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Good. Like good fences make good neighbors, right? If we are if we are all together and we're like, yes, we have complete unanimity on this, we all agree that we should pick a fight with this giant country that is clearly better armed than we are. Like you want some dissent. You want yeah. someone to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not a good idea." And not only that, but like they've been kind to us. This doesn't jive with any of the higher calling of man, like we are, we're making a foolhardy decision to try to look honorable in the face of something that's really dangerous. This isn't a good thing, right? And so maybe the function of religion is to bring a dissent that refines the state. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it just needs to be just a religion that does that, but I think you want, you want the debate, you want the public, you want the forum, you want the, I mean, the whole point of Congress is to be able to, instead, well, if you're going to use your Roe v. Wade example, like, one of the big reasons why this is such a, a, a flashpoint is because it's it's something that has been sent to the legislative branch. So the, the court has said, you guys need to legislate what you want the law of the land to be. Don't send it to us and say that we need to arbitrate it based on like a constitutional understanding. Like basically Congress is is shirking its responsibility to have an informed debate about this kind of law and is kicking it up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court is saying, not our job, back to, the, back to Congress. You guys need to make laws about this, um, as opposed to having us legislate whether we think that this is a constitutional argument. So, I mean, like, it's getting gummed up in the, or it's getting put into the machine of the American government. Um, um, but it's going to a place where there's supposed to be that dissent debate in Congress. And that's where I think... And Rousseau would probably say that dissension debate in Congress is a, is, a, is bad for the state. The, the hints he always gave was that the larger the state, the, the more fractured and the worse. Yeah. So a small, simple state of like 12 guys were like, we need to build fences. Everyone was like, yeah, we got to build some fences. He's like, that's great. When it starts getting bigger, you and have where conflict. They agree with each other. Yes. That's so the other part. Agreement is great, but... My, yeah, my so point is that's like those little good. kibbutzes and those little like right. like communes oh, in he'd Washington. He'd be a huge and, fan of a kibbutz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big fan. But wow. that's the thing is he's sort of discounting. I think the role of conflict yeah. in in refining the state and then religion within that conflict. Right? He says that states can make a man noble, but doesn't he doesn't say how? Hmm. Right? Is it just hanging out with other people, or is there a role religion and conflict both play in making a man? Noble and I calling mean, him to, to things. use your example from the last episode, or was the last in between episode? I can't remember. Um, one of the big undoers of transatlantic slavery was religious conviction. Yes. So now you've got the dissent against the laws of the state on a moral issue undoing something, and then that actually ends up becoming the law so, of the state. So and, and, they it, have, and it has refined the state. It is the and, strength of the state. Yes, That's and it's the strength exactly. of the state. And yeah. Rousseau will probably look at that and be like, Ugh, you don't want to have that element in your state. Look at them. They're undoing all your good laws. Yeah. So, but you'd have to assume that he would look at that and be like, yeah, that is kind of a better, that is a moral improvement on the state. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, so it seems like maybe he's just there are there are moments when he should have been more nuanced and wasn't, mm-hmm. like sort of throwing out all conflict as negative, yeah. and saying Christian troops are silly. He says a lot of stuff. 
Rousseau does say a lot of stuff. My, my favorite blinded. is that Christians are born to be slaves. Yeah. That's, and they know it, and they like it. <laughs> I mean, it says it in the Bible. We are a slave to sin, or we are in bondage to Christ. So, I mean, he's not technically wrong. He's wrong in the yeah. way he means yes, it. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> he's wrong in the way he means it. Yes. Yeah. It's, have we made it to the end of the social contract? Is this? Yeah, I mean, that's it. We still have a little time left in the episode if we have anything more to say, but... Do we, is, have we covered all the... Everything I wanted to. Woo! Uh, I didn't find anything more, that much more compelling. So is this where we do the, did you like the book or not? Sure. What's the, what's the popularity or the legacy of Rousseau? Like, even in this conversation, and I haven't read Rousseau since college, but it's just bringing back those memories of like, it's frustrating in when's he being coy, when's he being serious, when's he being sarcastic... And it, he feels like he's that kind of person that just loves lobbing bombs in the conversation at the dinner party because he just loves to see people getting their shorts in a wad. And, and oversimplifying I, huge swaths exactly. of history. And so that's a, that's a frustrating person to engage with. That's a frustrating, frustrating person to say, I'm going to take your ideas seriously and engage you on them because you feel like he's always being like, Bat, look at this rube, you know, like. It also feels like one of those books along with Thus Spake Zarathustra that a recent college graduate oh, sure. would keep in his back pocket yes. and be like, oh yeah, well, Christians are born to be slaves. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of run yeah. off into the distance because they haven't really thought through, well, maybe it's because it's incendiary and it's kind of strongly stated and it's cool. and So there's an immaturity to him is what you're saying. I, is that how you would phrase it? Maybe, but... He's also the seed of, of maybe the way we kind of view society and that it's not necessarily just top down, God ordains the king and we all say yes. It's, we are all on a social contract together. And that's when you, a couple of episodes you said, we're living in a Russo world. I don't think you're wrong, mm-hmm. right? We see it as, as a social contract. We feel completely free to criticize the pre- president. That was not an okay thing for most of human history. And so I think he is one of the catalysts of that, right? I think both Marx and Rousseau have had a huge influence on the way that our society functions. That doesn't mean we should take it as gospel. Like, there are a few good things in here. The whole idea of the social contract is valuable. But Christians are born to be slaves and make terrible soldiers. I don't find that to be true. Even if you're a non-Christian listener, that's simply not true, right? It's not okay to say really about anybody, probably. Um, and any ideas of, of having some kind of tolerance where you have lots of different kinds of people in a state. Yep. It's a good idea that Rousseau Rousseau seems to be contributing as well. And is uh, probably how our constitution came Came together. The way Mm -hmm. that it is. And just that, that core of, again, the beginning of the social contract, there are certain things that we give up for the privilege of living with other people that we get more benefit from that than being on our own. I think there's a lot to be said in that. And even when he talks about voting, I didn't go much into this, but you know, for things that are more important, we need more unanimity, sure. right? And we have, and usually that means a smaller voting party. And I think that might be one of the reasons we set up, we have the Supreme Court, which has a limited number of justices that, you know, have to vote a certain way. They're not voting. All they're doing, they're trying cases. They're interpreting not, law. They're not voting. Mean, they're interpreting yeah. law. Yeah. But they're, they're not legislating. But they do, they do like, there can be a dissenting justice when they've hand down a judgment, sure. right? Um, and we have, we have different, like for different votes, we need different results for different things. And I think that was probably a Rousseau thing. And some of the things he set up, I think that you would call, let's see, he, he sort of lauded the tribunal whose job it is basically to not change the law, but make sure the law is followed. Sounds a lot like Supreme Court. Well, not, not Supreme Court, but there, there are some things he set up 
that the lower chords that sort of sound right that he he was sort of setting them up and then I think we followed but I guess I was under the impression he wouldn't have liked the courts because it kind of circumvents a legislative process. You think that there's something built into the social contract that would allow for... Yeah, I think you'd be okay with the, courts. the court system. I don't okay. think you'd mind it so much. Okay. Um, but should you read it is the question. Uh, that sounds like a no. How long is it? It's not very long. It's right? not very long. I, it's kind of hard to get through in spots, though. I'd maybe read, like, read the first bit about the social contract, about okay. what the social contract is. And then call it a day. Are there four sections? Yeah. And the fourth one is mostly about Rome's setup and how oh. Rome did it. And then also why Christians are terrible. Okay, great. So like that's the two sections and I wasn't expecting either of them. And so that's why I wanted to talk okay. about the, the Christian one this time. It's We're only up. reading book one in the government class. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that seems like one. the good stuff, mm-hmm. right? Book one is uh, it's a good read and then maybe the rest of it, just take a break. Go read something <laughs> else. Go read some Plato, who's a joy. There it is. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. To- and Plato, totally not. A That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You ever read that Republic? Yeah. I mean, he's a kook, but at least it's fun, yeah, right? It's like, fun kook. Yeah. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can find us on Twitter at Classical Stuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L Stuff. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash classical stuff. You can find us on our website, classicalstuff.net. You can email us, the guys, at classicalstuff.net. And I think that is everything for us. So thank you all for listening. And for Graham, AJ, Thomas, we are signing off. Ciao. Bye. Bye.